Welcome to the Unnamed Adventures Podcast. On today's episode, we'll give you a quick update on our travels heading out west from the Black Hills to the Grand Tetons National Park. And we're joined by our guests, Andy and Sarah, who want to spread their love for the outdoors to people who want to experience it for the first time. From weekend getaways to portaging in boundary waters of Minnesota. We hope you enjoy. Hey everyone. You got Jake and Amy, and we just want to give you kind of a quick update on what we've been up to since we left the Black Hills. Um, So one of the things that we've really done and have enjoyed have been searching free campsites out. Um, Over the last week and a half or so, we've only paid about $30 in RV fees or campsite fees. And, and that was just because we were forced to. Yes. And we'll I get, was bitter, though we did get a discount. Oh, yeah, for sure. We didn't pay full price. So we'll get to that update here in a second. Uh, but one of the things is just really kind of learning how to travel since we've left. We finally got our rig outrided how we want it with the travel trailer and vehicle, sunroof, loaded up. loaded up. Dogs are loving it. They got their six-inch foam mattress. Spoiled um, rotten. Oh, my goodness. Spoiled rotten. They fight over who gets the middle console, and they got in trouble today and each had to go to their respective corners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, it's been interesting, you know, kind of learning how to travel and where to stop and really just kind of taking our time. So whenever you see those roadside attractions that are like just the free things that you stop at, go check it out. It's super cool. So when we left, we got maybe 20 minutes down the road <laughs> at that and went to Boar Buffalo Jump. And that was literally 20, 30 minutes away. We've always... From my parents. Yeah. And they've lived at their house for almost 20 years, meaning I've been out there for however many times each year and have never made the effort to go. So as we're driving past, I'm like, Jake, let's go. Yeah. So just kind of... You know, stopping at those, and that was super cool and very interesting, you know, to kind of learn about, you know, buffalo jumps in general and how they were used in history. By the Native Americans to um, gather the buffalo there, and then they would um, then they would um, be able to essentially, you know, kill them and then process them there. And um, the it was a cave that had... Um, essentially caved in. Um, but when the cave fell in, it actually plugged the hole where the water was. So there's, it's not a, a wet, um, cave in like at the mammoth hot spring or excuse me, mammoth cave site down in hot springs, South Dakota, where all the mammoths got stuck cause it was all wet. So it's just interesting. I asked them about that and that's what they had said. The difference was, so just to learn more about the black Hills was cool. And we got a free tour. I think we were there for all of 10 minutes, but it was really cool. And you can, for what was it like nine bucks, go and get a 40 minute tour and learn all about the history of the area. And And actually go down into the cave sites in general. So, or not the cave sites, but like where all the skeletons. They're doing an archaeological dig and it's protected right now. There's a building on top of it. And so they have it protected, but you can actually go in there. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, so if you like that stuff, it was 
I thought it was interesting. Yeah. No, so it's like one of those roadside things. Like, you never would think to stop by, but it's like, you know, if you have the time, check it out. I mean, it takes five minutes to be able to read a roadside sign or 10 minutes just to be able to talk with the person that's running the the thing. I think it was ran by volunteers. So definitely check those out. We're learning how to do that. Um, well, but the other thing is, too, is that when you're on a budget, that then becomes your activity. So, like, we were in... Um, we were driving through Hot Springs or uh, Hot Springs State Park over in Thermopolis, Wyoming, and you drive over the Hot Springs. Like, oh, wow, that looks really cool. Like, let's go drive in. Then we see the state bathhouse. And I'm like, huh, wonder what that is. And Jake's like, you want a shower? Because we hadn't at that point hadn't showered in two days. And we're like, yeah, let's see if we can get a shower for free. Well, come to find out. You can soak there for 20 minutes in the mineral hot springs. And the only thing they do to the water is they cool it down to 104 degrees so you don't like burn yourself like when you go in there and you can soak for free for 20 minutes and get a shower. So like if we hadn't have stopped to like check it out, we wouldn't have had that fun experience and get clean as well. Yeah, get a nice <laughs> little soak in the hot springs and, you know, nothing beats soaking in nature's uh, hot tub. So we really, uh, you know, started head towards Yellowstone. That was kind of our overall goal. And we were still kind of debating what direction to go, whether we go the Cody route or go the Southern route um, from where we were. Um, but we did end up taking the old Highway 16, which, you know, if we would have planned it a little bit better, we could have camped there um, because we passed by a fish hatchery and just the old scenic drive, you know, going. It was so cool. Yeah. So it, it's just taking the time and be able to drive down it. I mean, we passed by a you know, couple old couple that was having a picnic. It was so cute. On there. <laughs> you know, off on the side of the road and stuff like that. And you could just see the raging river, you know, kind of flowing through there. So Well, it just had opened up too. It's closed from November fifteenth to June fifteenth every season. And so it had just opened. So we're like, let's do it. And there was at least two, if not three, little dispersed camp spots. So you could see the fire rings that you could either set up a tent or um, pull your little trailer. I don't know how big of a really rig you could put in there, but still it was a gorgeous drive. It was definitely a highlight. And that was just right after um, Buffalo, Wyoming, as we were going through the Bighorn Mountains. And then that brought us into Tent Sleep, Wyoming. Or yeah. Ten Sleep, Wyoming. Ten Sleep, yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was one of those cool things, you know, just taking the old highways and old roads to be able to get there. Um, and they're just absolutely cool. I don't know when it was out of commission, but it was definitely worth the extra little side detour. Probably added 45 minutes to our drive. But. Well, because we kept on stopping because it was so pretty. I had to get out, had to take pictures, and it just kept on, like, being so gorgeous. So we just were, like, in awe. And then, but then we got in a tent sleep and, like, oh, a fish hatchery. And that's actually the first time I've ever been to a fish hatchery that was actually, like, a working production one where you could see, like, how they were raising the fish in these tanks and, um, so that was really interesting. And those are also pet friendly, uh, at least the one that we went to and super awesome just to be able to kind of check it out and also know, free, also free for sure. Uh, family friendly, and very was, well kept grounds. I mean, it was very impressive. And then, and I think, since, I think it was a Sunday we were cruising through and if we both figured out ah, it's probably going to be all locked up and closed, there wasn't a car to be seen. You know, we walk up to the, one of the 
farmhouse doors and go in and of course it's unlocked so <laughs> we checked it out and then talked to a biologist and and then i went and checked out the creek that was running through there and of course it was super flooded and really really fast um but then of course that's the water that they bring in to help um raise the fish yeah so we uh we're kind of at our time to kind of kick up for uh you know, making camp and everything like that. We were probably on the road for probably about four and a half, five hours. And that's one thing that we really wanted to do is kind of take our time traveling and um, ended up finding uh, our, our rightful uh, uh, resource, freecampsites.net. And, and I would just like to say we are not in any way affiliated with them. We just have found that's the site that works the best. And we also submit our experiences on there as well and which sites that we like and the nice thing is is other people can do the same you can also submit um, if you have one that isn't on there it just has to be free it can't be one that you pay for and it's just I don't know there's so many resources um, and then if we can't find anything in the area that we want to do but it's still like a national forest like that's how we found the one in Sundance we were trying to find the spot that was specified on freecampsites.net but the road was closed so we're like well it's the national forest like we can disperse camp let's go drive down a road so we did and then found this awesome spot had it all to ourselves it was gorgeous had a campfire and um, made brats and I mean it was delightful so um, it's just a site that we really like but um, I know we talk about this as well, just of National Forest Land or BML Land. And so far, which Jake was going to talk about, is where we stopped for the night. But it was BLM Land, Bureau of Land Management. And what we found is the difference between this land versus National Forest Land is that um, it's normally like more, more easily accessible land um, for and like locals of- and stuff. So there's like where we stayed with like all broken bottles and stuff. And I don't know that that's true for a lot of it, but it was right off the road. And yeah, it was just well used. Um, and it's right off the main drag as Amy was, uh, you know, adverting to, but, uh, we stayed in, it was, I'm going to say it wrong. Gebo, I believe. I don't know. Crosby. Gebo, G-E-B-O. Yeah. <laughs> Crosby. And, uh, it was awesome secluded area. I think there's maybe one or two vehicles that pass by, but it was essentially a, a giant parking circle. It was a little dusty. We had a, endured a little bit of a thunderstorm and everything like that, but we had a nice hike to where we kind of looked out on some bluffs and kind of looked across the way and saw looked like some old buildings, and uh, we ended up walking over there and discovered... Yeah, I thought it was like an old like government like training site or something because it almost looked like these like metal sided like railroad cars almost like with windows beaten out or something maybe it was like a training site from a distance and jake said well let's go check it out and so we ended up finding that there was um it just used to be an old mining town from the 1880s um you know for mining coal and we just found like this little placard you know after we got done touring it um, this kind of site, we're like guessing, asking, I wonder what air is from and everything like that. Um, so it ended up lasting until the 1930s. And it was just an old mining town and they just ended up abandoning it because the, the resources dried up. Yeah, it was so interesting because there was about eight stone buildings that 
still how the foundations must have been more the affluent buildings or the government buildings or whatever they were. And then you could see the foundations of the other homes that were in that area. Like if you look down into the valley, this is actually a pretty big town. I mean, for that type. And the mining area that was developed, as Jake said, in the 1880s, late 1880s. And then the town wasn't on the census in the 1900 um, Census Bureau. Um, and so they think it started about 1907. And then by 1938, it was um, no longer populated. And so to go there and just contemplate, like, especially since we didn't see the sign till after. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> oh, I wonder what the story was here and who lived here and you know, because the views were gorgeous and it was such a beautiful spot. And it's just this is a ghost town. And I don't know, I've never seen a ghost like where like a legit like stumble upon a ghost town. So that was super cool. Yeah. So yeah. even though the site we stayed at had all that broken glass and luckily the dogs were fine and and whatnot. But, um, you know, the, making that discovery was really cool. And then the area is actually really rich in history, which makes sense why we saw like you know, old metal around and things like that. There was debris around because it used to be, you know, a very populated area. Um, but so we're excited to stand more BML land so we could actually like, <laughs> you know, get a better consensus of what um, that type of land is in comparison to the national forest. I like the national forest land because there's always trees and it's more private normally and a little more quiet and a little more protected because, you know, there's trees. Yeah. And just learning what the different types of lands are and where they are and what they do, you know, yeah, you know, thankful that they have all these available to us, you know, to be able to come check out. Yeah. Um, so the next day, you know, we, as I said, we kind of ran into a thunderstorm, um, that night, but it was kind of dusty as well. So that's when we were able to kind of check out that bathhouse in hot springs, Wyoming, which was delightful, which was delightful. Cause I was, we were both like, eh, it'd be kind of nice to have a shower. I mean, we can do basic wipes and, you know, solo showers and everything like that, but nothing beats a real shower. So having an actual soaking hot tub and a, a free shower can't be beaten. Plus we're able to connect to their free Wi-Fi. So get another, some work done. <laughs> get, get some work done. So another bonus. Um, well, and then we're like, oh, well, we'll go into Yellowstone. That was our plan. And then we're like, we've been enjoying like staying off the main interstates and stuff. So like, well, do we go through Cody or do we go through, there's an other way, I don't remember which way it is, but it's more remote and you don't like, you just kind of take old highways, not old highways, but like smaller roads. Well, for whatever reason, we're like, let's, oh, because we wanted to go to the history, the Wild Bill Museum, I believe. It's supposed to be like a super awesome museum, like a Western museum. And so anyway, we get to the visitor center and Jake hops out and hears. Just the t- and I'm like, no way, like that's coming from our vehicle, you know? So I walk around, kick the tires. And of course our back left tire, I just hear a hissing. So, so I, loud. So I have Amy get in the car. I'm like, all right, let me see if it's like it drove over a nail. could have been from the BLM land. You know, there's a lot of debris. Maybe something got caught in the tire and it just got loose since we stopped. Cause this was our second stop after that location. You know, maybe didn't catch it the first time. Well, we ended up, you know, this is about 4.30, end up checking a, you know, calling a tire place. And thank goodness they're open until 6.30 or 6 o'clock and, you know, end up getting the tire checked out. They pop off the tire and sure enough, a giant slit on the inside. Huge. Of, of the tire. And we could only imagine, you know going on a remote location i mean that could have been bad news bears there yeah no service and then good luck getting a tow truck to come out 
and get you them being stranded oh my gosh i'm so happy it happened to cody even though like we had to get a whole new set of four tires for the vehicle i'm just so thankful that we went through cody and then it didn't happen where there was no cell service and no one was around or i mean because it was been cold up there we've been in yellowstone for a few days now and yeah yeah so it was definitely nice to be able to have get that done it was kind of blessing in disguise i mean i didn't want to have to really fork out that extra money to get new tires we knew that we probably had about you know 10 to twenty thousand miles left on tires of our new car so we ended up getting a full set of four tires because it's four-wheel drive yeah so almost a thousand dollars later we head out from cody thankful that we were safe and now set uh, with the new tires in the vehicle. Yeah. So we ended up driving through Yellowstone a couple summers ago. We went there for um, about yeah, a week. For about a week. And we actually did Yellowstone justice. So we both felt pretty good of just kind of cruising through and just kind of. Well, with know. having the dogs, it's like you can do any backcountry stuff. So we just stopped. Every now and then it did some stuff and went to the visitor centers and yeah, kind of checked out the new loop and we kind of looped down towards the Grand Tetons. And that was kind of our first time experiencing the Tetons for myself. Oh, me too. I had never been. And it was absolutely, they're breathtaking. I mean, it's just one of those things that just takes a minute just to kind of soak it in just how big they are. It's well, there's so much to see. Like it's so your senses are so overwhelmed that you need to like, look at it again and like process and then look at it again and process again and see what you're missing from the first time you saw it. It was just breathtakingly beautiful. And then I, um, we got a recommendation of where to stay uh, locally that was in the national forest so we could stay with the dogs. Yeah. And that was the shadow mountain area, which was absolutely gorgeous. That overlooked the Tetons. Um, It was just, it, it was very enjoyable having my coffee that morning and just being like, Wow. Well, and then after we stayed there, we come to find out that that's actually the local party spot. So all these kids, I guess, got in trouble the next morning because uh, they had left like beer cans and trash and stuff out. And we talked to the guy that like is a volunteer for the season, like the camp guy. And this and he's is like, and this was actually a new position that Wyoming uh, has done for some of their more popular free camping areas. It's a camp ambassador, essentially. They help monitor it. So at the more popular spots, because this is right outside of Jackson, probably about 25 minutes, um, if you take the the shortcut way, (laughs) which we learned. He said that he had seen a grizzly bear attack um, um, a moose and its baby like two weeks prior in the exact spot these other people were. So they're like, the fact that they left the beer and stuff, it's um, that's an attraction for the grizzlies i'm like oh great so that was um interesting to learn about that because i was like oh like they weren't really that disruptive i mean i had my earplugs in and he's like no it's more concerned about the garbage so it was nice that you know as jake said this that being a new position of having someone advocating for the safety of the people that are out there maybe they don't realize the danger you know of kind of what they were doing um because one guy was just sleeping and he was like in a sleeping bag on the ground yeah, and more of the popular areas, they limit the time that you can stay in the dispersed camped areas. And they have, like, designated areas as well with campsite numbers. And you can stay up to there for five nights. And that threw us for a loop because we've never been used to that before in the National Forest. 
We're like, what are these signs? I thought this was free. Like, how does this work? <laughs> like, the, and there was no pay box, so we we're both kind of scratching our head, and you know, we just kind of talked to some other people, and ended up just finding a an open number and pulling our rig in and setting up camp. Yeah. So after we talked to the camp host guy, he gave he showed us some maps and showed us other areas to disperse camp where it wasn't busy. So then we went to the other area. Well, then it was super dusty. So then we didn't. We ended up moving the next day to a different spot, and then the next spot was the ticket. Oh yeah, like when you wake up to hearing, you know, elk bugling, bugling, bugling. Yeah, oh, it was so <laughs> gorgeous. We looked over the river and we saw like a herd of like what forty elk last night as we drove back, and it was awesome. And that was over by the Turpin Meadows. Um, we weren't at the campground. We were actually at the dispersed camping area prior to that, or I would go on about two miles before that right off US Highway 26. And you can actually, when you drive down that road, you'll be able to see, you'll see the turnoff for the Turpin Meadows. And you'll see like two, you'll drive past two spots where there's all these like RVers and trailers. They're all just hogging this area together. This tiny little area. But then if you drive down the road that's right there, there's like three more spots nobody's at. And we pulled into the first one, best view. It was amazing. We stayed there for, was it two nights or three nights? Yeah, about two nights. Oh, it was awesome. And then it snowed, which was crazy, in the night. And then it froze the other night. So we were all snuggled up in our little trailer with the bubs. It was definitely a two-dog night. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I just got to rock the dad jokes. Yeah. As I can. So, I mean, it was just one of those perfect, perfect things. And, you know, I, we're going to be heading out to uh, kind of the Helena area to visit some family and kind of check out that neck of the woods. And I guess there's a lot of history uh, there with like the gold rush and stuff. So it'll be fun to learn about that area because I don't really know much about um, the gold rush history in Montana. Yeah, but we definitely recommend Jackson. Um and Jackson Hole to kind of check out. Cute little town. Lots of fine art places. It seemed like there's not short of uh, art places or um, pizza joints. So yeah. It seemed like there's tons of them. I don't know. I, I always like to walk around downtowns and look at the shops and stuff. And um, I like their center square. They had these big archways all built of antlers. Uh, looked like elk and deer and whatever antlers. It was pretty cool. I don't know, kind of unique. They light them up at Christmas. Yeah, but absolutely gorgeous to be able to go through the park and to be able to to see both Yellowstone and the Tetons. And we both got our uh, our annual pass for the National Park, so paid for itself in one trip. Yeah, because it costs $35 for a vehicle to enter a National Park. It is $80 for an annual pass, so we've already paid... We already got our money's worth quadruple because we kept on going in and out of the park. Well, I mean, I guess you get, you know, paid 35 bucks. It lasts for a week. But still, um, highly recommend the annual pass if you're even doing just even two trips, you know, two locations, you know, pays for itself. Yeah. So, well, I hope you guys enjoyed this next uh, interview that we have with uh, Hiking Through Life with uh, Andy and Sarah as uh, we really enjoyed chatting with them and, their boundary water trip. And their boundary water trip and looking forward to to seeing what they do. Yeah. So thanks for joining us. Cheers, guys. Sarah and Andy join us today from the Twin Cities of Minnesota for today's podcast. They have a blog called Hiking Through Life and are passionate about the outdoors 
and using it as a tool to keep peace in the chaos of the day-to-day life and are working towards pursuing their dreams this summer with helping others to get to the outdoors. We hope you enjoy the podcast, and we do apologize in advance for the background noise as we're in a remote location and it rained during the time of the recording. We hope you enjoy. So welcome to the Unnamed Adventures podcast. Today we are joined by Sarah and Andy, who have started a blog called Hiking Through Life. So welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Hello. So just to kind of start this interview uh, with a little background info for our listeners, what is Hiking Through Life? Well, Hiking Through Life, it started out as a blog to just share um, Sarah and my camping adventures uh, with our friends and family. So Sarah and I had met uh, in 2015, and we had connected um, on our passion for the outdoors. And so we wanted to um, provide some transparency into our adventures as a couple And so we started this blog, Hiking Through Life, and now we're kind of evolving it into more of a a business, and we want to um, hopefully inspire others to get outdoors, and we are sharing our adventures through our our website that we're working on, and hopefully that will inspire others to kind of take that leap and see that it's plausible, and it's not as maybe intimidating as some people may make it out to be. Yeah. And it's like really kind of a tool for life because we use the outdoors as a way to just keep calm in the busyness of day-to-day life that comes with, with life. You know, we just, we've learned that the outdoors brings us peace and calm and we want others to realize that they can use that as a tool too. Well, very cool. Well, how'd you guys meet? We met online on OkCupid. Oh my God, we- <laughs> We met online. <laughs> no way. <laughs> On Tinder. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, and it's funny. Actually, around the same time, we our first date was September of 2014. And uh, and we officially started dating in J- January 9th, 2015. And that's why when we made our logo, it says established 2015. <laughs> oh, that is so cool. What an awesome so thing. So it's nice to meet another couple that met online and are married. Yes. And are sharing their passions together. (laughs) And and that's one thing that I never realized that, you know, there would be another person that actually likes the outdoors and likes being smelly for a couple days and going out there and having fun, you know, and it's like, holy crap, there is actually someone else out there for me that uh, (laughs) lit for every pot, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Our car is so stinky right now. I mean, we're trying to let it air out and that was only from three days. So I can't imagine what your guys's trailer and car smells like from just living in it. (laughs) Well, my mom did give me a great tip today as I threw some laundry in and I said how bad they smelled. And she said, well, you know, if you put a cup of vinegar in with your detergent and it'll take out the smell. I'm like, thank you. I will do that in the future. (laughs) Oh, well, there we go. So perfect. Well, we'll go to the next question here. Um, So how do you plan on spreading your love for backpacking, camping, and the outdoors to others? Yeah, like we started our blog. And so that's that's one way that we want to do it. Um, We also have recently been uh, doing Airbnb in our house as a kind of an extra source of income to support our adventuring. 
And so meeting people and just sharing stories and connecting with others in that way as well. Yeah. And then definitely like, like in the Boundary Waters this past weekend, we brought our friends up who had never been up there, but they have voiced to us that they want to go up there. And we're like, well, we're experienced. Let us take you up there and give it a shot. And that's kind of, that was really good practice for us to see if we, if we really liked guiding people on their first time. So then in the future, like when we do start bringing people in our hopes of creating this a business, we'll know that that's what we want to do. And, um, you know, like this coming weekend, we're going to take my aunt out on her first backpacking trip and teach her the ropes of that. And then in, in another couple weekends, we plan to bring out another group of friends backpacking up north on the Superior hiking trail. So just kind of advertising ourselves as, as huge outdoor advocates and letting people know that we're here to help and we want to show you the ways and then let you fly on your own. <laughs> Do you have um, intentions at all to do then guiding in the future? Do you see that as part of your plans or more just like a resource? Yeah, I've always thought of that um, as kind of a future endeavor um, since I personally like the whole aspect of adventuring and the backpacking. Um, I would see it it as something down the road um, as we get experience taking others like our family and friends that we know and um, kind of building this website and um, the resources that are on the website that um, we'll be launching soon. So I think that, yes, guiding will be kind of in our future. Um, and I think that it will be a fun thing to do as a couple as well and share our knowledge. Right. And coming from the Midwest, I mean, it gets cold, really cold here starting in like October, November. And we only have very few experience of backpacking and camping in winter. So I don't know that winter camping would be in our guiding once we start it, but maybe in the far future it could be. (laughs) Yeah. Minnesota winters. I I don't wish that upon my enemy, you know, You know, we, we met in Minneapolis, so it's, uh, I, we definitely know it can get pretty chilly. Oh, you guys met in Minneapolis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we actually lived in the city. Well, I lived in the cities for six years. Oh. In, four years? Yeah, about four years. Four years, yeah. And we oh. met, we met, you had been there for what, a month? Probably about that. Yeah. And I was his first date from online, and he was my last. So I like to include that in our little story. Oh, that is so perfect. It was just meant to be. <laughs> but I actually did a lot of uh, rock climbing when I lived up in the Twin Cities because it has such a huge community there. And I did winter camping once, but it was like in December. So before like it got really cold and it was like one of my worst experiences that might have been because. <laughs> It actually like rained and then snowed and then we got like our stuff got all wet and like, yeah, yeah, when you don't have winter gear, like it's just totally different. And that's why like, I haven't like really like said, Jake, let's get gear to go winter camping because it's just a totally different setup. The stuff is much more expensive and it's just so cold and I don't have very good circulation. So I give you guys a lot of credit if you're going to go winter camping in Minnesota. (laughs) Yeah, it is just so cold. And I just feel like the goal the whole time is to stay warm. And I was trying to like, I was trying to have fun while staying warm, but there's a point where I was just questioning, why are we doing this? Is this even fun for me? 
<laughs> have you guys done the um where you go cross country skiing and pull the stuff behind you? I don't can't think of what that term is. But no. we have some I have a buddy um who's uh, out of the cities that actually does that. And I can't think of the term, but you essentially have your kind of a sled behind you where you're kind of pulling your gear. Yeah, you have like your stiff poles and then you have your sled and you have like your canvas tent and your stove and your food and you actually like go into the back country that way. So he has it set up perfectly because it's all the right stuff, but you know, he actually carries it in a sled. So yeah, no, sense. we've never done that actually. And that, that would be something I'd like to try out at some point, but yeah, again, like, yeah, we don't have the gear for it. We've just done like the backpacking unpacked trails and stuff we do have snowshoes and we do like snowshoeing but only on kind of like day trips not not necessarily camping well one of the groups i was involved in when i was in minnesota it was called the minnesota rovers and it's an outdoor club so i guess shout out to them but that's actually how i got into backpacking was i was able to borrow they have like a gear cage and you can once you remember you can borrow gear for one of their trips and see if you like stuff. And I know they do winter camping trips. So you may want to check them out. Um, they're just a great group of people. So FYI. Yeah, yeah, I've definitely heard of them. Thanks for that idea. So when you guys are taking out some of your friends and family, are these people novice or they got some of their own gear? I'm sure you guys are probably like us to where you have a backup of a backup of a backup on <laughs> exactly. certain certain items i mean it's just kind of a part of the gear world i think um are, do people have their own gear or do you provide some of that for them or suggest what they i'd say mostly we're providing for them um a couple of our friends have some camping gear but it's not necessarily backpacking gear um so we try and provide them some of the stuff that you know we've bought over the years um like you said like we have gear upon gear upon gear because you buy some, then you upgrade and then you figure out, okay, maybe I want this other backpack because it's a little smaller, lighter weight. Um, but yeah, we have, we have closets full of gear at our house and um, we do um, like to provide and we provide them usually a packing list and say, okay, let us know any of the gear that you do have. So then we don't have to, you know, pack for, um, that specific item and then I feel like that works out a lot too because the people then don't have to go out and feel the need to you know spend hundreds of dollars on gear just to go out on a backpacking trip or go to an outfitter and get outfitted with the gear yeah because oh. I think that's another one of our big goals too to encourage people to get into the outdoors but we don't want them to start off spending a ton of money because we just want them to see if they enjoy it before they make that huge financial commitment oh yeah for sure i mean you, you could walk into rei and if you find the right person they'll they'll light up and they'll they'll get you situated with over a thousand dollars worth of gear easily yeah yeah gear is a whole other conversation we're both gear junkies so we <laughs> love gear and like there was um, my best gear store I've ever went to was a used gear store in Colorado Springs I was like heaven like everything was affordable and in like good shape and I was like oh my gosh I can get so many things here <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and it's just it slowly becomes an addiction <laughs> so what is your guys background uh, Andy it sounded like you're in operations and Sarah seemed like you were teaching everywhere uh, I, I, I'm a preschool teacher. 
Yep. So I have the summer off right now. Um, I've been a preschool teacher for, I mean, ever since I graduated college in 2013. So, yep, I work for the Big Lake School Districts right now. And it's really nice to have the summer off. And that's allowing us the opportunity to go on a road trip. We plan on starting a road trip early July. So in about a month is our goal to start our road trip. Yeah, and I've been, um, I graduated college in uh, 2009 with an electrical engineering degree. And then I was a data analyst at an online university and then moved into uh, the operations side of things and was an operations manager for a couple of years. And I actually just recently quit my job at the end of May, just so like Sarah had mentioned, we could pursue this uh, kind of a dream of a, a summer road trip and then um, share that adventure with others. That's so cool. Congratulations, by the way, on quitting your full-time job. <laughs> <laughs> we did ours in March and we're like, oh my gosh. Um, but Sarah, follow-up question for you. Um, I did check out your blog from when you were teaching overseas and stuff. Oh how, yeah. How did that impact you and kind of what was your favorite place you taught or like town or city or whatever? Um, I really did like teaching in Torino, Italy, because when I was there, I had the opportunity to live with a host family for three and a half months and being able to live with a host family really gave me that cultural immersion. And I was able to make the connections and really get to know the people in that community. Um, and then when I was teaching, I was teaching English to middle schoolers over there. So I was also able to connect with some of those students and those families. And then I even tutored them in addition to teaching them in class I tutored them on my off hours and just made a bunch of great connections and then on the weekends I was able to go travel all over Europe we went to um, Spain we went to Paris we traveled all over Italy I went up to Cinque Terre which is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been um, and yeah that just had like a huge impact on me and it just being able to teach abroad gave me this um just this craving for adventure and travel and being able to make connections with people. Because when you make connections with people in other places, that's when you're really breaking down those barriers and stereotypes that people have. So when you, for our listeners who are interested in teaching abroad, because I think that's a, a lot of opportunity, you know, for people that are teachers or have a skill in a second language, how did you get connected with working overseas, especially in Italy? That's so cool. Um, that one was connected through Greenheart Travel, and it was um, a com I had to pay for that, so they were able to set me up with the host family. And at the time, I just felt really like passionate about it, so I was willing to pay for it, and I just knew I was going to be in a safe place, knew they were going to be able to connect me with a host family and a school to go teach in, so that's one way to do it, but I think just by there's so many online resources and forums out there, once you start researching, the world of opportunity is out there, and it be can become a little overwhelming to look at all your options, but if you know what you want to teach, I think you can just start searching online and you can start breaking down some of those options. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, anything that you can find or research in, there's complete rabbit holes that you can kind of <laughs> dive yourself into. And that's yeah. really kind of what we're discovering as well. You know, there's so many different pathways and ways to make money and opportunities, just opportunities to go out and while you're traveling. Um, so, yeah. so Andy, how, I just have to ask you, 
how does it feel to leave your full-time career? Cause I know for myself, just the, the routine side of things was kind of crazy, but not having that anymore, like, how does it feel? Yeah, it's speaking on the routine side of things, it is a, a little different. I mean, you don't have to get up and you get out of that routine, going to the office, you know, coming home, going to the gym. That was kind of the routine that I had. And now it's like, okay, well, I can kind of do what I want to do when I want to do it type of thing. And a lot of that right now, though, has been shifted more towards kind of that taking through life business that we want to start in the website. So I've been looking at that as kind of my full-time job. So kind of shifting from going to the office to kind of going to my computer, sit down. But then there was also the feeling, a uh, bittersweet feeling of leaving the coworkers that I enjoyed working with. Um, the rigorous schedule I didn't like leaving as well um, but the people is kind of what I am kind of most missing and kind of that kind of culture within the office but you know it's freed me up to do more of what I really want to do um, so like I've been enjoying that aspect of it well I'm just kind of looking at some of your hobbies and stuff like that I'm like I wonder if he's gonna be you know homebrew turned pro or something like that. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know, just kind of looking at some of your hobbies. You're, you're right up my alley, that type of guy where I could drink a beer with you and go on a hike and have a good time. So hopefully we'll be able to cross paths at some point in time. Absolutely. And I still uh, have my sister and brother-in-law that live in Minneapolis. We actually are up there probably every six months. Um, oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah. Um, but we, yeah, Andy's, um, Andy's username on OkCupid when we met was actually hike and brew. So those are for sure two of his passions. <laughs> That's awesome. So how was your guys' recent trip to the Boundary Waters? I saw some pictures on Instagram. It looked like you guys had a really good time. Um, and then in relation to that, for those who actually don't know um, about the Boundary Waters, can you just give a little bit of information um, about that area and why it's such a, such a destination for uh, canoeing enthusiasts? Yeah, our... Well, our trip was great. It was so the Boundary Waters is that kind of northern area in Minnesota, um, in the upper Arrowhead area, between it's bordering the Canadian border there, and it's a bunch of lakes and just wilderness. And um, you canoe in from a lake, portage your canoe to the next lake, find yourself a campsite. And we're fortunate enough to bring two couples for their very first time, and they loved it. We had great weather the first day. It was sunny. Um, we got we actually got to the the lodge that they had rented their canoes from, and the mosquitoes were so bad. And then the guy <laughs> at the lodge, he goes, "Well, wait for the." the daytime the black flies are supposed to be bad this year so that's when all of our friends bought a bug net from the store right at the outfitters <laughs> <laughs> we had recommended yeah you're probably going to want that especially on those portages so well, I portaging so for those of the listeners who don't know what portaging is that is picking up your canoe and carrying it across a hiking path between the lakes so you're carrying the canoe over your head along with your backpack 
on slippery rocks and dirt and terrain. Yeah, and it's uh, you definitely want your hands free from swatting bugs when you got all of that gear in hand. So how far um, are your portages? The portages we took this year, uh, they were um, not very long. Um, I would say the longest one we did was a quarter of a mile. Um, and all of the portages actually on the maps and stuff are measured in rods, which a rod is uh, a measurement of length of the, a solo canoe that we learned. Um, so it's about 16 to 16 and a half feet. I forget exactly what it is. Um, so our longest portage on this one was 56 rods. Um, so it wasn't too bad. Um, we wanted to keep them short for our beginners. We didn't want to scare them away by doing a two-mile portage. But the uh, they loved it. We had sunny sunny weather. And actually, once we got out into the wilderness, the bugs were not as bad as they were at the lodge. So we actually had pretty, pretty good weather and um, kind of free of bugs, at least at our campsite too, because yeah. all the campsites are right on the lake. So, so there, you always have that lake breeze coming off, which helps with the bugs too. Yeah. That's awesome. I actually did a trip out there backpacking uh, when I lived out there, gosh, it was Memorial weekend, probably about six years ago, seven years ago now. And I, I think it was the second time in my life where the ticks just hounded me. I mean, just so many crawling everywhere. And of course, you know, it's so green and lush. Um, I was like, I learned why most people canoe up there and not backpack on the trails because of the mosquitoes and all that and the ticks and stuff. So I'm glad you guys had a great experience um, with your campsite. That's, I'm so glad you guys had such a great time. That's, I know it's a beautiful, beautiful area. Yeah, and the one thing that we do a lot, um, actually, since we backpack a lot, um, to keep a lot of the ticks away, we found spraying our clothes with permethrin before each hiking season. That helps a ton. Like, that keeps all the ticks off. And yeah. it usually helps from having to spray your, you know, your skin with a bunch of deep, too. So definitely helps with the bug control. Yeah, do you guys use that at all? Because I would highly suggest that stuff. It's a lifesaver. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, we definitely do. Um, you know, we use this the Sawyer permethrin spray for our clothes and all in our tents and stuff like that. The downside for me, I like to hike in shorts like I'm hot bodied all the time. Like I'm just sweating constantly, it feels like. So I'm always wearing shorts, unfortunately. Uh, found one tick on me t this weekend. But I mean, I other than that, I just know it goes with the territory or if I'm hiking in sandals or something like that. And I'm going to be plucking a couple ticks off me. Well, we did a trip um, to the, uh, Teddy Roosevelt National Park in North Dakota, Theodore Roosevelt National Park. Um, it was Labor Day weekend, wasn't it? Memor yep. No, it was a Memorial Day weekend. And this was last year. It was like two months before we got married. And the ticks I had in probably like a four hour period, hundreds of ticks. And this was before we learned about permethrin. And I guess they say like insects are drawn to like certain types of blood because we were with like three other people and I was the one that had hordes of ticks on me. It was, it was horrendous. So it was after that, we learned, you know, the different types of spray and we use the Sawyer kind, like Jake said, for our clothes and it's actually worked really well. And then we also use the bug spray, like the, um, 
what's the other one called? The Anyway, there's a spray and a lotion that you can actually put on your skin. So we kind of combined it and I'll do all three when we're hiking in areas that have like horrible insect issues and, and things like that. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so the, the couple that you took to the boundary waters are one, are you still in contact with them? Um, and two, did they, did they enjoy it? Yeah. So we are definitely still in contact with them. They, they're both good friends of mine. The girls are so, um, they, and they're, they were all ready. They had camped before in Minnesota. So they, um, knew what the outdoors was like. It's not like they were first time outdoor camping. Um, so they, yep, they really did enjoy it. They both said that they would go back to the boundary waters again. So we didn't scare them away from that experience. (laughs) And I think, um, you know, we just prepared them really good. We, we made a checklist for them of what to pack and we got them really prepared for it. So I think preparation was the biggest thing to set them up for a successful trip. Yeah. And kind of setting those expectations of like, okay, you know, they're, there will be bugs, there will be rain. So like be a little prepared for that. You know, hopefully we have nice weather, but up there, you never know the weather changes in in an instant. Um, So yeah, setting those expectations and just making sure that they're prepared and they understand kind of what they're getting into. And um, once they understand that, I think that they were, they were good with it and they just, they had a good time. We had so much laughter and good conversation around the campfire the whole time. Yeah. Cause when you're disconnected from your phones and daily life, that allows you to have those deep connections with people. And it's cool because we don't hang out with these couples a ton. So having that opportunity with them for two days of phone free daily day-to-day life free, it just gave us this deep connection and made really meaningful memories together. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, it really kind of helps put the barriers down for people just to kind of open up and you know allows yourself to be vulnerable and you know just to be able to talk and you know you you go to dinner or have drinks with people I mean half the time you know they're staring at their phones and it's like hey I'm right here in front of you you know you can talk to me yeah (laughs) yep you know people are checking their phones they're like oh got to go do this 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 my day's so busy but when you're disconnected from all of that all you have is the people that you're surrounded with and that's just one thing we love so much about hiking and hiking through life and that's what we want to spread onto others so what made you guys or inspired you to you know kind of start the transformation into hiking through life like was there like a moment or did something just click like oh yeah let's, let's do this. Um, no, I I think it was kind of progressed a little bit over time. Like I found, um, with Sarah and I, we, on our third date, actually, we went camping to scenic state park, um, up in Northern Minnesota and it was a canoe in type site. She was actually supposed to go with a meetup Group. Yeah, meetup.com. Before I met Andy, I was going on meetup.com and I was doing all these camping trips with random groups of people around Minnesota because I wanted to experience camping, but I didn't want to go do it by myself. So then she bailed on that group and went <laughs> with me instead. <laughs> there you go. Nice. And we just, yeah, after that weekend, we had such, we formed such a deep connection because of what we were just talking about earlier about. You just don't have those distractions um, around you and you can just um, be in the moment. And from then, I think we just had this 
deep passion for like what the outdoors brings to us and we wanted to really share that with others and um hope that others can relate and and find kind of this deeper kind of meaning in their own lives and so that's where kind of hiking through life had started and just really we want to expand on that and um not just have a blog about us um but kind of more resources for kind of people and their lifestyle in general and how we want to spread the benefits that we find in it and hopefully that people can kind of live a more meaningful life um, themselves. So is there anything that we didn't touch on that you'd really want our listeners to know? Um, I mean, I would say if anyone's just like itching to get outdoors and experience camping, it can be a very scary thing to start out if you've never done any of that. But just once you get over that first trip, I think it'll just keep you itching to go back for more and go back for more. And there are so many groups out there like, yeah, go on meetup.com. If, if, I mean, if you don't live in Minnesota, if you live in Minnesota, hit us up. But if you don't live near Minnesota, I would suggest going to meetup.com or any of those groups that are going out and camping and hiking and go with people. And the the fearful fact of that will go away a little bit. Yeah. And also that you don't have to go on maybe those extreme wilderness adventures, um, such as like going out into the boundary waters or something to reap the benefits of the outdoors either you can go to your local park you can just go out in your own garden and we kind of has stressed that in a couple of our blog posts is that just getting outside in general is is beneficial that we've found absolutely so much and like as a preschool teacher I see that so much with kids so like I just I make it a huge point to get outside every day with my students when I'm teaching during the school year because it's so beneficial in kids and adults too. It just really changes your mood. If you spend five minutes outside, I instantly feel a little more refreshed and I can have a more clear mind when I go back to whatever it was that I might be doing. Yeah, that, that is so true. And uh, even on Andy's point, you know, just like getting that itch, you know, like that happened to me when I was, uh, you know, I, before that I was kind of a city slicker in my junior year of, of college. And then I moved to to Montana and lived with my uncle for, you know, for the summer and, you know, got exposed to the mountains and outdoors and backpacking. And then I was like, someday I'm going to move to the mountains and I'm slowly working my way out West. You know, I was in Wisconsin for a while and then moved to Minneapolis and then South Dakota. And now we're on the road. So only God knows where we'll be next. So, um, but no, that is absolutely awesome. So how can people get in contact with you guys? Well, we are working on our website right now, hikingthroughlife.net. Um, we're hoping to launch that in the next week here. Um, otherwise, um, you can send us an email, hikingthroughlife at gmail.com. And through is spelled T-R-T-H-R-U, um, hikingthroughlife at gmail.com. We also have a Instagram, hiking.through.life. And we also have a Facebook page, Hiking Through Life. That is absolutely awesome. So thank you guys so much for joining us on the podcast. And uh, 
can't wait to see you guys out there and follow your story. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us on. I hope we can meet up on the trail one day. Yeah. Thank you. Definitely. (laughs) Cheers guys. Cheers. Thank you for joining this week's episode. We are updating our YouTube channel to include how-to guides, gear reviews, and campsite reviews. Just search Unnamed Adventures. Also, follow us on social media as we periodically have giveaways with our partners.